Today's episode of the Rough Drafts podcast is brought to you by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Their esports book covers all of your favorite titles, including League of Legends. Bet for free with Unicorns, which you can use to enter raffles for gaming prizes, and even earn Unicorns just by playing your favorite games. Some regions can even place real money bets. And while you're there, be sure to check out the esports news page where you can read great articles from their writing staff, including me, your host, Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. It's time to put your esports expertise to the test. Log on today. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar, and welcome to a very special edition of the Rough Drafts podcast. It is November 18th. Uh, it is an awesome time to be a League of Legends fan because it is the offseason. There are so many rumors that get to get started here. Uh, we're hearing licorice things with Cloud9. Uh, and we're actually about to get into the Kespa Cup for Korea, which is always a fun little offseason tournament. But... We can, we're not going to necessarily go too much into those things today because something caught my eye that I immediately said, I need to talk about this because I find it fascinating. And that was a, a press conference that Riot Korea held, uh, what, what was it, about a week ago? I, I think it was around that time. Um, that has luckily been translated uh, by uh, Andrew Korean Mulan Kim, who has joined us here today. Um, alongside my friend Skylar Dragecko Garrison uh, to talk about all of these interesting developments we're seeing with Riot Korea here. So uh, let's start. Andrew, how you doing, man? I'm doing really good. Thanks for having me on. All right. Happy to have you, man. How about you, Skylar? How are you feeling today? I am doing very well. I am ready to talk about some LCK. And the article, by the way, I just looked this up, came out on uh, Monday of this week. On Monday. Okay. Yes. So so yeah, little uh, little off of my uh, timing there, but yeah, no, it's, oh, no, you're it's very much right on. It's a very interesting read, and we're going to put this in the description so you guys can follow along as as we kind of talk about these things. Uh, the big takeaway here is that Riot has decided to build their own arena specifically for the LCK. So they've really trying to do kind of what they've done for the LCS, where it's going to be entirely their thing and they're going to be in control of it which let, let's start with you Andrew because obviously you are are someone who's very ingrained within the scene why do you think riots decided to go this path is it as simple as they wanted to provide this quote unquote arena experience that they've mentioned or do you think there's more to it I, I think it's it's a couple of things I think the first thing um, is that I don't know how long Riot has been in uh, in talks about taking over the broadcast because I do know the press conference they, they talk about how they've been kind of the idea itself was pitched from Riot Korea to take over the broadcasts and create this new arena thing. But I would be I would be rather surprised if the recent uh, the announcements of the Overwatch League had zero impact on Riot's ultimate decision on what to do. Um, because what we know now so far is Blizzard has its own its own arena in Burbank. 
Um, it's going to be, you know, used for the Overwatch League next year. Everything is being controlled by Blizzard in terms of the broadcast, the, you know, the talent and everything like that. The pros are all, you know, part of Blizzard as well. So I think part of it was like, hey, here's a project that we were kind of looking forward to doing at some point. But they were, I don't really, I don't really think it was like any time set in stone. But I do think maybe the recent announcements and developments with the Overwatch League specifically might have accelerated that process a little bit. Yeah, that that's interesting when we get to like the timing of it. Sky, Skylar, mm-hmm. what what stood out to you when uh, when you saw this Arena Deuce first pop up? Well, uh, I had a very woo like <laughs> with a question mark at the end kind of uh, because it, it it seems unnecessary, doesn't it? Um, we have had very successful League of Legends tournaments in Korea for many years now. I mean, basically since Season 2, Korea has been at least pushing the top of uh, world's competitiveness. So uh, that's, what now, five, six years of uh, very solid, stable Korean infrastructure, both in teams and literal physical structures, um, that have served well enough for Korean League of Legends. So, uh, if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Is basically my reaction to it. As to why Riot decided to do this, uh, I, it's not unexpected because Riot likes to take things into their own hands, whether or not it's necessarily an improvement immediately or not. Yeah, I I think that. Both of you made made very good points that the Overwatch League is something that we've uh, talked about a lot on this show. If you've listened to the NALCS franchising roundtable that I did uh, with some of my friends and and analysts within that scene, um, it it does feel like Riot sees the Overwatch League as this big competitor that there's directly uh, clashing with their brand and they want to be the ones to emerge, quote-unquote, victorious uh, when it comes to uh, you know what becomes the the key influencer, I guess, um, in all of these things, and and that's that's fine. I think that's fine. Certainly, it's within their rights to do it. Um, but there is also that aspect of control, uh, and and I want to send this back to you, Andrew, when we talk about the the control, because the the fear I, I think when people see oh, there's an LCK arena now. Is, is not necessarily like, well, you know, what about the, the money and what does that mean for, you know, viewing experience? It, it's about OGN and Spot TV who have now been doing this broadcast, particularly OGN, for a very long time. And it is so professional and well-known within Korea uh, for their high production value. Do you think that this is Riot's long-term plan to, to push out those kind of third-party uh, uh, content creators? Or, or, or do you think that's uh, maybe a fear that's going a step too far from what we've seen so far? I don't know if, I don't know if it's necessarily to push out Spot TV and OGN and places like that, especially given that they had a really... Riot and those two broadcasters have had a really good relationship in the past. Um, not, not nothing have ever indicated that there was sort of any sort of like conflict or strife between the two organizations, or I should say three. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like part of it, part of me is saying that this is rather than kind of like a screw you to OGN and Spot TV, I think this is more just Riot trying to, you know, 
claim ownership over its brand and over its product. And OGN is supposed to be just happened to be kind of on the short, receiving the shorter end of the stick um, as, as an outcome. And, you know, at the press conference, there was a question about, like, have you talked to the other broadcasters about how they feel about this thing? Not that they would have much say of the matter, obviously, because it right, right says it, so it's their game. Mm-hmm. They can do whatever they want. Uh, but they did say that, you know, uh, that OGN and Spot TV have been like, okay, well, we look forward to working with your projects, you know, the LCK and League of Legends. You know, in the future. So I, I, I don't, I don't think it's so much we're going to cut them out. It's more they're just Riot Korea is just taking up a larger part of the LCK than it did before. Yeah. So uh, I, it's interesting to hear that perspective uh, because having followed uh, uh, LCK since it was OGN Champions, I still have this feeling that Champions Korea should really be OGN's product. It was OGN's product. I mean, th- this is uh, very recent that we are now considering League of Legends tournaments in Korea as anything other than an OGN production. Um, Spot TV uh, has done a decent job of entering the third-party broadcaster stage, but uh, they're obviously still less practiced at it, and they have less to offer than OGN so far. Uh, And furthermore, Riot itself, while it is their game and they can do whatever they want, I entirely agree with that. Is it really in their best interest to take over something from OGN that has been working very well since the beginning? I mean, this is sort of a question that is moot now, unfortunately, in my opinion, because after... Uh, Kespa and Riot navigated OGN's project away from OGN. Now it's in Riot's hands. It's There's really nothing OGN can do to get it back, unfortunately. But is it really worth taking it further away from OGN's control when they still do such a good job of providing League of Legends content, not just in a primary sense, like broadcasting games, but also in a secondary sense, like uh, creating peripheral videos, hype videos, which are always very well regarded by um, the people in the scene and fans. I'm not sure that it is worth navigating it further away from not just OGN, but third-party broadcasters who can offer very professional work done in these uh, realms. Yeah, yeah, please, Andrew, just jump right in. Um, I I, I think that, I I do think... Part of it is I, I'm 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 for one I'm very skeptical about this whole thing. I'm not I'm not like gung ho. You know, let's you know wave the riot flag. I'm really concerned as well because uh, a lot of what the fans have come to associate with the LCK has largely come from OGN and Spook TV in terms of the production. Um, for instance, we talked they the we talked about the hype videos, the behind the scenes videos, the, in the original content that they've created for themselves um to in order to you know entice viewership they all one of my favorite things about the lck from ogn Spot tv has always been the intro videos yeah like absolutely. are they gonna go away like seriously it's, it's, it's iconic at this point like mm-hmm. you know pe- like you know third party music with these epic you know pro gamer intro videos like are they gonna go away is riot going to continue that particular tradition um 
and a lot of a, a lot of these things are going to be lost. I, 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 it's this fear, and I also it's a belief. It's I think a lot of these things yeah. are going to be lost at, mm-hmm. in, in one way or another. It maybe they could get, give viewers concessions, being like, "Hey, we're going to add this, or we're going to do that," but it's not going to be the same product anymore. Right. But what, what we're seeing is going to be a completely new product, and on the viewer side, it could be really confusing and really upsetting because they already know and love this product for years on end. But from the business side. I don't really think Riot is necessarily looking to capture that same LCK audience. I feel like what they're doing is they're trying to create a new kind of product that would attract a whole different type of market. So if, you know, let's say OGN, let's say, you know, Riot does a good enough job and they lose like 50% of their original viewership. I think what Riot is banking on is long term, they attract different types of people to watch their products through Riot Korea. Um, so, you know, whether or not they successfully get that to happen is a whole other debate. But I, I do think there's a, I, th- I think there it is fair to say that there are going to be some fan favorite aspects about the LCK that will be lost. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would say uh, I, I agree with that sort of encapsulation of the situation, the dichotomy of business and the expectations of the fans, the, the current fans. Um, that that's a good way to look at it because I myself offer only with a perspective of a, a long time viewer who would stay up late to watch games um, overseas and uh, who expects all of this OGM production stuff as a long standing tradition. But you're right; they they very well might be trying to capture. And knowing Riot's uh, past decisions, I think they are trying to capture as you say, a different kind of audience. And, and this is where we kind of shift the focus to some of the comments that they've made very publicly, both in this interview and, and just in general when you talk to Riot NA, this idea of we want League of Legends to be a sport that lasts for decades. We believe that this eSport is something we want your kids to grow up watching this game, which is one of those things that... that People have very strong opinions about. I, I know people who see it as like, oh yeah, sure, right, whatever you say, this you'll certainly accomplish this unexpected thing that no one, uh, no one has ever accomplished, and that is, you know, unprecedented within the esports scene. Uh, you know, to have a game last as long as they are talking about it lasting without, you know, some version of League of Legends two or whatnot. But it does seem to be something that Riot truly does believe, and and if you're talking about appealing to these new markets, that's a long-term play. That's something, you know, that's taking a short-term hit for something that they do believe will pay off that 5, 10, 15 years down the line, which is, you know, I I guess I I have to ask, Andrew, is this hubris on Riot's end, this idea of, you know, this kind of long-term planning for this game to be still at this level of popularity five, ten years down the road? Or, or do they have enough where this could work? Can they pull this off, I guess is what I'm asking. Well, League of Legends is in a very very unique position. It's like no game since like StarCraft have we seen something that take off such in a global manner. We're not just talking about like a single market. We're talking about an international market. League of Legends is still huge. Still, the biggest, one of the biggest, you know, online games in the world, and competitively and otherwise. Um, and I think it does kind of smack of, to me, it smacks more of ambition rather than hubris. 
because I don't think it's necessarily right saying we can do a better job than OGN, we can do a better job than Spoke TV. I think it's more like, you know, we want to take control of it and take it in a direction that we're happy with, um, which again goes to the original point of, of having more power over its own product. Um, I think that it's a very dangerous gamble, personally. But on the flip side of that coin, Ride Korea is not a big market. Like, if we're going to do an experiment, like, of this kind of, like, taking away third-party broadcasters and, you know, making Riot take over it, you know, Korea isn't the biggest market, which means that it's kind of, it's a good sample size to have these sorts of experiments. It could come at the cost of the fans, it could come at the cost of, you know, the region itself in the short term, but I think it could be, like, Riot's way of saying, like, look, this is a really highly dedicated, highly passionate region who will ultimately wa want to watch these games, even if you know Riot takes over the broadcasts, um, and that it's a small enough market size that we'll be able to do new and different things in terms of content creation and broadcast techniques that potentially they, they look at to grow into something bigger. Um, I don't think necessarily that, let's say Riot does a really bad job, I don't think K Korean viewership is just going to drop off the planet, because Korea will still be excellent. Like let's 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 get let's get something straight. Just because Riot takes over the broadcast does not make the LCK any less entertaining to watch as competitive games. Um, and I think that you know the people will still continue to tune in. They might complain, they might bellyache, they might be upset about certain aspects of it. But I do think that you know uh, when it comes to driving the product in a direction like let's say a 10, 20, 30 year lifespan that they want to bring legal legends to be maybe riot felt like this was the best way to achieve said goal i mean clearly that's what they believe i mean that's that's just been something that they have they've hammered in so many different interviews it, it is interesting to me as someone who's watched you know the difference between north america and europe and the experimentation uh, experimentation they've done in those regions to try to find the right format the right broadcast times and and kind of using Europe as that uh, experimental league. I, I think that you've nailed, uh, you've nailed it in terms of just Riot's willingness to try different things and, and make those kinds of moves uh, if they believe that it can lead to that long-term growth. Skylar, is that something where you believe that Korean audiences will be open and willing to you know, see what those Riot broadcasts are, are like and, and what that product shift means for them as long as the content is good? Or, or do you think that this kind of experimentation is something that uh, the Korean scene might not uh, enjoy very much, I guess, for lack of a better <laughs> phrase? Well, enjoyment is one thing, but uh, I would expect some serious belly aching. No matter how good the Riot broadcast is at first, uh, change, no matter how good Kha'Zix says it is, is difficult in the real world. And when you have fans to please, uh, not everybody's going to be happy. And I reckon there will be some very loud, very unhappy voices at first. However, bellyaching is just bellyaching. As uh, Andrew said, I think people will still tune in to Champions Korea to see the games. I mean, it's going to be hard for me to, uh, on moral grounds, let's say, just not watch LCK for the first time ever just because Riot's broadcasting it. Um, now, it, I probably will watch a lot less uh, because I don't enjoy Riot-style broadcasts. 
I think there's a lot of nonsense that takes up a lot of time uh, that will be transferred to LCK. And I'm afraid that most of watching the Riot broadcast will just be wasting time. And I think that a lot of fans will have that reaction. Because, as we mentioned before, this LCK viewership has been a very uh, sort of... It, it's a core market that's hard to shake. But it's very hardcore. These people who watch LCK generally watch it for um, high-level games rather than pure entertainment's sake. Uh, not to sound like terribly elitist, but I mean, since the the Korean teams do go the furthest in worlds, people who watch Korea for strategy generally consider it the highest league in the world, which is fairly well proven at this point, I think. So it's sort of a juggling act, right? It's it's both risk reward and uh, for Riot and a test in execution. How well can they execute on this vision that they've had, which they've done a bad and good jo- job doing in other regions? Let's say NA with its high uh, viewership numbers and high production value is somewhere where they have done well, and EU LCS is somewhere that where they have done very poorly. Uh, it has high potential viewership, but they have not been able to cater to the U- European market properly uh, or the world market to interest people in Europe enough to give it the kind of numbers that they want from EU LCS. Yeah. Now, uh, my, my last point about Riot's vision about this is that uh, I do think it's a matter of vision and that it is a gamble. It's, it's a risk, and uh, they can choose basically any market in the world as a test market. Uh, but one thing about creating lo- uh, creating new things with longevity in mind, new stadiums, new broadcasts, is that who will it pay off for? Will it pay off for Riot themselves? Or will it pay off for somebody else down the line? I'm not sure that this uh, whole situation will end up with Riot on top, because... League of Legends, I think, will last for a while, but won't last forever. Then who is going to pick up all the slack that Riot is leaving for this huge longevity plan that they're creating? Yeah, that's that's one of those things that's always interesting to me is, you know, what is the next stage of esports? You know, we got, I wrote an article for Esports Heaven about a year ago about the oversaturation problem when it comes to casual fans kind of following along because there are a lot of games out there right now that are supposedly much fo- must-follows. You know, we have 13 different games last time I checked with full-on competitive wikis, and that's not going to go down from what we've we've seen as far as the scenes kind of being satisfied, I guess, with the numbers that they're getting. And at some point, you have to imagine as more games come out, as, as people get a lot more evidence, especially from watching Riot, from watching whatever this Overwatch League is going to be, someone from a development team standpoint is, is going to learn from this and is going to create the next big thing, whatever that ends up being. Obviously, we don't we won't know until it's here. But when it does get here, it's going to be fascinating to see you know, what that Titan that could compete with something like League and can compete with something like what Blizzard is hoping Overwatch is going to be is going to be able to kind of ride off uh, the momentum that has been established now by these, I, I guess, early adapters, for lack of a better phrase. 
when it comes to esports. Andrew, I, I want to direct this this next question to you because you are someone who who speaks Korean. You've done so many great translations on Slingshot Esports, rest in pepperonis that site. But you know, it's it's no, they're all that, clickbait. They're all clickbait, man. Uh, <laughs> man, I, I gotta say, I, yeah, they're they're dead now though. So rest in <laughs> I I was so mad when I saw that. I I don't like. I, I try not to pay attention to the Reddit hive mind because if it wasn't that I, if it wasn't for the fact that I need to for my job, I wouldn't find a lot of that community to be ideal but that was that was a reaction that genuinely made me upset because anyone who's actually visited the site knows how much of a variety of content that was being offered and it's just so dumb and i hate it but i i i could go on a whole rant about reddit i don't know that people are interested in that what i'm more interested in is, you know, as someone who reads a lot of the forum stuff, who does a lot of those translations and is very much in the thick of it, uh, what reaction have you noticed uh, from Korean fans so far? And what are the reactions that you can expect given your your knowledge of that kind of fan base and of the uh, kind of content that comes out there uh, from the Korean side of things? Well, here, here's the interesting thing. When the news broke on, like, I'm just basing this off of Invent, but there's also a whole lot of different online communities talking about League of Legends. I'm sure uh, DC Insider has a group of people who have their own opinions and stuff like that. But based purely off of Invent um, reactions and, you know, the, because they're also a news site, um, a lot of them are not real. There's not any pitchforks or burning torches, which, which, I'm, which might be... A surprise for some people and not a surprise for others i've never i have not noticed a single person make or at least a post that made it to like you know upvoted to high heaven from invent saying that like oh this is terrible riot does a terrible job we don't like Riot to take over ogns have been doing such a good job for a long time on the contrary a lot of people have had problems with ogn's broadcast uh a lot of people have said that ogn has a really good caster lineup in korean with Cloud Templar, Kim Dong-jun, and you know, Caster Jun, which are you know, like the holy trinity of Korean League of Legends casting. Um, but the problem is a lot of people were saying that the viewing experience was less than less than comprehensive in terms of uh, pertinent information being shared with the viewers, uh, following the action properly, ob ob observer tracking. A lot of people were upset about those type of things. And then a lot of people were also saying Spot TV, on the other hand, had really good obs obs observers, really good graphs, really good like you know information uh, direct delivery to the viewers. But they said the casters were god awful. So some people are saying that like, look, Riot taking over this is interesting, but not, no one is really saying that it's a good or a bad thing. Some people are actually some people are actually saying that like, hey, some new thing from Riot might be an improvement over OGN because they had their problems. Might be better than Spo TV. They, they they had their problems. Maybe Riot is going to come in and sweep all them away and say like, look, we're going to do a better job than all of you. Have good casters and proper, you know, broadcast or content or whatever, um, which I thought was really interesting. Well, I'm happy to hear that that's the uh, general reaction from Korean fans because there is a major issue if OGN is the only game in town forever. And they get complacent, and there's just becomes this sort of protectionism for OGN, where nothing can, bad can be said about them, or no, nobody can even try to enter the market. So I'm glad that there's uh, some acceptance of uh, the possible new steps in a positive direction, at least something different. 
Uh, now, for the uh, sort of American OGN fans that I talk to, we sort of convene in dark corridors and back alleys and mutter about KT Rolster and, and Samsung together. We uh, often mutter about how Spot TV um, is sort of subpar in the um, spectator camera and the... Um, and especially like crowd shot reactions, the production of uh, Spot TV's um, reaction shots is is quite a, a quite a while behind OGN's in in uh, my opinion. And uh, this is something that I've this is an opinion that I've heard echoed amongst the groups that I talk to. Uh, but but this is by no means a, a large sample size and. Just because I don't know many Spot TV fans uh, on the American side doesn't mean that they don't exist. I mean, for example, I uh, I do actually like the Spot TV casters um, well enough in English, even though they're not as experienced. I think that Crumbs and Valdez do a good enough job, and um, I, I, I I've I, it's interesting to hear your. Uh, explanation of the Korean reaction because my reaction is the exact opposite. I think that Spot TV has okay casters and uh, not so okay spectator camera. Um, now that's just sort of like that's just my opinion, man, basically. <laughs> and and yeah. there are always going to be preferences to things and, and that's something where uh, one of the more interesting posts that I've seen do well on Reddit, which is, you know, I, I can only speak English, so that's the, the one I spend my time on, was, you know, that, you know, Riot said that, you know, these, you know, online communities as passionate as they can be is only a small percentage of their fan base and a small percentage of their viewer base, and so they're not necessarily going to make decisions based on, on those reactions all the time, and people were like, yeah, you probably shouldn't actually... As much as I have, I have my feelings. Like there are a lot of things to consider, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that that Korean fans are, are mostly, uh, at least, open to the idea that this can can work out in the long run. And I'm glad that you know, for what is essentially a riot Korea decision, uh, they're much more willing to listen to that side of, of the fan base rather than, you know, what maybe the the more Western fan base. Uh, you know, their, where their opinions might be and how we've been colored certainly by LCS broadcasts and kind of the expectations that Riot's mm -hmm. created in our own leagues. Uh, to me, that's that's fascinating and it's refreshing to hear because I, I you know, you can see a lot of dumb on some of these social media, uh, social media sites. Um, but it's, uh, w when it goes right, uh, it can be quite nice. Skylar, it looks like you have one more point you want to make before we move on to the next section? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to bring up something that Andrew mentioned earlier in the cast, actually. Um, this is claimed by uh, Riot in general uh, to have been an idea that Riot Korea pitched to Riot at large. Um, and you can see that uh, you, the listeners, can see that in the translation of the uh, the press conference. Uh, Riot Korea supposedly pitched this to Riot Main Central. I, I don't know what to call it. Uh, the, the Big Brother Riot, basically. Mm -hmm. Run it down mid. But um, I 
I am tempted to believe that, actually, because if the Korean audience reaction is so positive, then maybe this is a good testing ground for Riot's uh, little longevity project, and maybe it'll turn into a bigger longevity project, like a China longevity project or something. Yeah, and China's going to be another one that's uh, fun to watch. I think there's going to definitely be an episode on their franchising movement at some point because I find it just fascinating the way that they're going about the process uh, given the differences in their scene. But there's a point that we touched on at the beginning that I want to come back to uh, a little bit, which is, you know, Riot's reaction to the Overwatch League perhaps accelerating the process here from the, the original path that Riot maybe would have taken had the Overwatch League not existed. In the interview, Riot... Korea points out that they only have one producer currently on staff. And that, to me, when I when I hear that, it, it feels like this is rushed. And it, it feels like that could have a, a significant effect on their ability to initially capitalize on uh, the goodwill that this move can, can create. Uh, Andrew, am I, am I right to be concerned here? Or, or do you think that they'll be able to grab enough production in time. I, like, is this rushed as much as I feel that it's being rushed here? Well, I mean, he, 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 the thing is, is that a couple of things is, first off, is that they, at the end of the day, they still have one year. They still have one year until 2019 where they take over the broadcast, right? So, you know, at the worst case, let's, th- let's say they start today. They have a year. They have a year to uh you know create new productions recruit new production people um and and i think it would be really silly of ride korea to not hire and or enlist people from ogn or spoke tv who have experience working with these kind of things as an advisory kind of capacity but how many of those people really are going to want to do that they already have jobs with an existing and really honestly better production company because it yeah. exists already. <laughs> well, no, but hey, but Riot, Riot does can can offer like one thing that people can offer, and because I don't know the exact numbers behind this, but Riot can offer possibly better pay, uh, better better opportunities. Some people, I'm sure, some some production companies would someone would want to go to Riot. The, the the possibilities are endless. Like there's no firm saying that people will or will not move. But I would be I I'd say that it would be really foolish of Riot not to at least tap into that potential. They, they have to try. I agree. But they have to try. Yeah. And and yeah. when it comes when it comes to the casting stuff, none of the casters in LCK, including the English ones, they were never con- they were never full time employees. They were always contracted out. Um, so Cloud Templar, uh, in a, in a previous stream, he talked about how he made his money. I thought for the longest time that he was an OGN employee. He was not. He's a con- independent contractor, <laughs> and he gets money through casting with OGN primarily. But he also gets money by you know hosting events. Um, casting other things, and he gets he makes a paycheck per gig, basically. Which means that you know all these other casters, Korean or otherwise, are also potentially able for Riot to snatch them up. Now, if any any one of them want to pull a Monty, and say that like, look, I'm not I'm not just gonna do like you know this. I'm gonna do something else. I'm gonna I want to expand into you know Overwatch. I want to expand into uh, PUBG. Like these are all possible possibilities as well. Um, so, you know, seeing as how casters have been so far full-time employees of Riot, that means Riot will at least have to attempt 
to hire these Korean and English casters for on a full-time basis. And if not, they have a year to, you know, look for other candidates and stuff like that. The, I think the biggest concern for a lot of Korean fans, especially those who love the OGN broadcast, of if we lose the trinity of caster Jun, Cloud Templar, Kim Dong Jin, what's going to happen? Well, like, uh, I as as a response to that, if I may, um, I, I we already kind of saw that with uh, English LCK broadcast because when Doa and Monty left, uh, Achilles and Papa Smithy, great casters in their own right were in the wings to uh, replace them, or, you know, replace them as full-time casters, essentially. Um, and it it worked okay, but still people really miss Doe and Monty. Um, and the, this, is, uh, this is the issue that I'm worried about on every level, not just front-end, like, uh, broadcasters and the faces you see, but the behind-the-scenes stuff, too. Uh, there are very professional casters and very professional production employees who will be coming to work for Riot, I'm sure. They're, they're Riot, I'm confident, eventually will get a great team together. But I, I'm worried about the... Uh, I, I just wonder how much of this needed to be done right now. As Chase is saying, I feel maybe it's a bit rushed. They, they need to... In order to inspire confidence in me as a viewer, they need to have some work already done with an existing production team. Right now, they have one producer. That's not an existing production team. They haven't done anything yet. I have no idea if they're going to be amazing or if they're going to be terrible. But uh, the thing is that they're going to be new. And uh, new is not always necessarily bad, but it is risky. Yeah, and, and that's something where, you know, I, I find the uh, the question about casters and, and whether it's better to be salaried or contracted, it's one of the more interesting discussions uh, that's come up when, when guys like Mani and Doa have talked about this in the past to me, um, mostly because, you know, there, there's no real, con you know, concrete answer. It's about what you prefer, right? If, if you want to have that diversified portfolio, this idea that you know no matter what happens you're going to have the opportunity to pick up new games and be able to smoothly transition should we ever get to the point where League of Legends is starting to dip and whatever the next big thing is going to be is on the rise I, I'm not sure how successful the Overwatch League is going to be honestly I have a lot of skepticism about that <laughs> uh, just for what we've seen from Blizzard in the past but there will be a competitor to Riot at some point no Monopoly lives forever all empires fall history has told us that lesson time and time again in every in every element of, of the world uh, to be honest so it's it's one of those things where I, I would wonder what conversations have already happened behind the scenes that makes Riot confident enough to move forward. Because I, I have to imagine that they are confident of at least a few people coming over for them to make this call. As much as they want to you know, rush this and kind of capitalize on how Blizzard is, is only mildly investing in Korea. They only have the one team, despite how good a lot of these Korean teams have been in the Apex tournaments and everything else. Um, they want to capitalize on this moment, and I think that they are you know, right to do so to some extent. But there's, 
I just, I, I, I have to believe that they have something else planned and something that we just don't know because they haven't released those conversations because nothing's been finalized yet. But if they don't, that's where we get into concerns because uh, we saw in the early days of the riot uh, LPL broadcast what it can mean if they rush into a system without establishing the proper channels. And that was it, like that stream had growing pains. That stream had a lot of growing pains. And I'm not mm -hmm. convinced that the Korean audience that's so used to this high quality is going to be as patient with Riot as LPL fans were were willing to be just because there hadn't been this kind of English equivalent um, in the same way that we already have an English equivalent for the LCK. Now, now, you know, last question on, on this topic, at least. I want you guys to, to put on your Nostradamus hats, you know, look into your crystal balls here. Uh, imagine we're talking five, ten years down the line. I've invited you guys all back on the show uh, because I hope oh, to have nice you to both you. again. Yeah, man, it's, this <laughs> Thanks, has been man. fun. But, uh, <laughs> but let's, let's imagine we're having this conversation again and we're looking back and like this is how it worked out. This is what worked. This is what didn't. Ultimately, Andrew, where do we end up with this? Where do you think this this goes at the end of the day? Oh, man. Um, so my prediction is this. If they want to make the LCK more like the NA and EU LCS broadcast, it's going to fail miserably. It's, going, it's a totally different market, a totally different uh, viewer base. They need to, they can't make it like the NA and EU LCS. They just can't. It, they just can't. It's, it's impossible. Like, it's not going to work. <laughs> they so, can, but it won't work. <laughs> yeah, no, it won't, it's just, no, like, they're not, they're, they can't be that foolhardy in their own model. Mm -hmm. But I think the, this, this, I'm going to think my best case scenario because I want to have, I want, I want League of Legends to do well. I want Riot to do well. I don't, I, I don't want, you know, God, God forbid something happens to League of Legends. I'm out of, out of, I'm out of a mail ticket, mail ticket. But <laughs> like, this, this is what I, what I think can happen. And, I hope happens. The first off is uh, Riot Korea has entered into a has been in a long business relationship with Spot TV and OGN, which means that using those relationships and connections, Riot Korea can spend the next year like fucking studying super hard how to do a production, how to give an experience to the Korean fans. What are the Korean fans looking for? How do we make the pre-existing experience better for the fans at the arena or outside of it? I think if Riot Korea really buckles down and starts studying, and and if they have been studying, that's even better. But let's say they started studying the broadcasts of OGN and Spot TV, create the best of both worlds, and maybe improve on it on on a production scale. That would be the best case scenario. Now, how do they achieve that? I think would be a very difficult task. The first start would be, you know, grabbing people from OGN and Spot TV who have really big experiences working at these productions. And I'm sure a good number of them are willing to part ways with OGN or Spot TV for one reason, personal reasons or another, to Ride Korea to make a better product. Um, and, you know, they're already, and Ride already put in millions of dollars into making the arena itself. I wouldn't be surprised if they're saying that, look, our personnel budget is going to be this much. It's going to be a lot of money. And we're looking for the best of the best to come work with us. I won't be surprised if that comes if that turns out to be the case. So production value-wise, best case scenario, that's what they do. In terms of casters, I think at least in Korean casters, if they can't secure the the holy trinity, which they most likely won't, because Caster Jun likes being a free a freelancer, and I'm pretty sure Cloud Temper likes being a freelancer as well. 
Um, it's going to be a really hard and arduous long-term journey for them because not only has those three kind of been the face of Korean League of Legends for a long time, they have a pre-existing uh, chemistry. It's really hard to create that kind of chemistry again. So, like, you know, that's going to be a really, really... I think that will be, ironically, the toughest part. Acclimating the Korean market to potentially a new casting crew. Because that's what a lot of people say why they watched OGN. They didn't like OGN's observing. They didn't like OGN's, like, information delivery. They watched it because it was where Cloud Templar and Kim Dong-jun were. They loved their banter. They loved their casting style. That's why they watched it. So acclimating a brand new uh, casting crew to the market, I think, is going to be one of the most difficult things that Riot has to do. But it's something that they're going to have to tackle on that front. On the English side, I don't really know the willingness and or availability of Papa Smithy and Achilles um, in terms of, like, do they want to maintain their free agency or not? Um, if they do, then obviously they're going to have to go searching for another pair. Uh, but seeing as they were kind of like, you know, they were follow they're trying to fill the big shoes of Monty and Doa. And let's be honest, any future casting crew is going to continually compare to Monty and Doa. Um, I think that the English casting would be a little less difficult in comparison to the Korean one, just because the Korean one will just have so much larger shoes, shoes to fill. Um, and in terms of like the arena stuff, how they want to have the fans feel more involved and more entertained, I think that's something that Riot can do uniquely, unlike OG and Inspo TV, because they had no control over the Sangam or the or the Nexon Arena. They had like a set amount of people that can come in, a set amount of time that the games should ideally last. The fan interactions were very limited. They were always downstairs where like there was no barricade or no like protection for the players. It was just like a group of people and, and, and the fans and, and, and the pros taking pictures. I think that experience they can improve on greatly and they plan to do so. So I'm really optimistic on that. So it gave a more better reason for people to go watch them in person. Uh, so just to sum up, Production, if they really dig in their heels and work really hard from now on, poach some people from OGN and Spoke TV, it's going to look okay. Casting is going to be a long-term investment. It's going to be really difficult and it's going to be painful, but they're going to they're still going to have to do it anyway. And in terms of the arena, on-site fan interactions, the only direction they can go is up, which will entice people to come watch the games in person or at least go to the arena, to the PC bunks, to the cafes, and have their own unique experience that only the arena can offer. Those are my three things. Uh, yeah, so uh, the arena experience is something that I want to touch on before I answer Chase's initial question of what are what conversation are we having in five years? Uh, I think you're right. Uh, you know, I don't have experience in the new Korean studios, but Yongsan definitely had a lot of user unfriendliness <laughs> involved. You had to go to the top of a building uh, and you weren't really sure where it was. And then when you got up there, uh, it was just sort of like one double door and lawn chairs. <laughs> Charming, but uh, you know, it, it was it was a nice interior to the studio, but fan interaction outside of it was basically, as you said, just lining up and taking pictures with the pros, very unorganized, uh, and it had sort of an intimate feel, if you're willing to be positive about it. Uh, but sure, I, I agree with the idea that you can definitely go upwards. Uh, I wouldn't say the only direction's up, because I'm a little too cynical for that, but... Um, I'd say that upward is where Riot's going to go with that. Um, I am also excited about the whole PC bong situation uh, in the new Riot uh, arena. Um, but I'm more pessimistic about the overall outlook. 
you know, do I hope it succeeds? Yes. I would love to go to this Riot uh, studio in a couple years in the future on a visit or whatever. Uh, and it sounds like it'll be a great, uh, fun viewer experience and a nice arena. I'm sure they'll do a good job with that. Uh, however, this is inherently tied to League of Legends as a game and the health of esports as a whole. And is Riot going to continue to single-handedly dictate the future of esports forever? No, I don't think so. Um, and this arena might be a little short-sighted in the League of Legends exclusiveness of it. I'm not sure, uh, you know, I, I'm, I am by no means keyed into Riot inter internal business, but um, I am of the opinion that it's a little bit of Riot hubris uh, on, on this front. So in, in that sense, my prediction for the future, uh, like if we have this conversation five years in the future, we'll be talking about, yeah, so that worked well for a while, um, but now something needs to change again. Uh, it's going to be something in production or venue accessibility about, by other games or riot control of it. But I think that something's going to need to change in a big way. Uh, and I hope Riot's prepared to make big changes again that soon. Well, and that's the most interesting part to me because we're talking about a company in Riot Games where a couple of the guys at the highest position in the company have talked about how they believe that they founded esports, which is one of those ridiculous claims. But it, it's something that <laughs> there are people in Riot who genuinely believe this. There are people in Riot oh, who genuinely God. believe they are the face of esports and that this is. You know, this is their scene to dictate and that they're going to be on top forever. Um, you know, I, I think that you're, you nailed it there at, at the end, Skylar, where it comes down to how long does that reign last um, and how much can they get out of it and how willing are they going to be to pivot. Uh, and I agree with you, Andrew, that the biggest problem is going to be the casters because the uh, Korean casters are so beloved uh, I oh, yeah. uh Templar and, and, and June are just overwhelmingly uh, considered to be the, the best casters. Um, and I, I am jealous that I cannot speak Korean and enjoy them uh, as much as everyone who can. Uh, uh, anybody is, can enjoy Caster June, whether you're a <laughs> Korean speaker or not. <laughs> yeah, that's... Honestly, the, the most entertaining parts are always when they're yelling all at once anyway. So. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's very fair. Um, before we wrap up here, uh, give me... Uh, you're 60 seconds each on the Kespa Cup, which is going to be happening uh, in a couple days. Uh, we're going to, you know, this is the tournament for those of you who don't follow in the West, where you have the some of the best uh, LCK teams go up against the Challenger teams in, in a couple different uh, tournaments and uh, and league, I believe, in the, in the KEG. Um, what should fans be looking for, Andrew? What's the most exciting thing uh, that you're looking forward to for this event? Oh God! Um, for for me, honestly, I I hope uh, I hope a lot of people just like view it as like a way that you know not not so much a competitive competitive tournament, but more like just have fun. Mm -hmm. I, I hope it's more like people view it as a more like a preseason kind of fun type of tournament. Because if you look at the people involved, I mean, obviously KT Rollstar, Samsung Galaxy, SKT, Longzhu, they're gonna be part of the second stage immediately already. So. Like, I think it wouldn't be difficult for people to expect, you know, Samsung Galaxy KT, and, you know, SKT or whatever to have, like, a, maybe a finals rematch for the Worlds or whatever because they're in the opposite of the brackets. But 
um, you know, I think that uh, I think what people should really look forward to is actually the lower brackets. Africa yeah. Freaks, Africa Freaks, MVP, KG Gang One, Olivers, Generic Green Rings, Kongdu Monsters, Rocks Tigers, Ever Eight Winners. I think these are the teams you have to look out for because these are the grassroots. If you love the LCK, you got to pay attention to the grassroots. Man. Oh yeah, you got to pay attention to the grassroots, and these are the grassrootiest that you can get. <laughs> um, with the cats about cup, so I, I I I hope everyone kind of like compartmentalizes their brain of like this is the best team that's gonna win. No, don't don't forget about that. Watch the lower brackets if you have the time. Look at where these guys are. See who the next rising stars will be, and then make your anticipations of the LCK spring split based on what you, like you know with you know the data you collect through the cats about cup. Yeah, totally. I, I'm totally with you there. Uh, the the off season in Korea is always crazy and a lot of fun. Uh, sometimes people criticize LCK or Korean play for being too formulaic or too percentage-based, you know, like, always choose the right path, no matter whether it's the most boring game of all time or not. But you're going to see some crazy stuff in this tournament. Uh, so it's going to be exciting from a viewer standpoint, and a lot of innovation and a lot of rising stars are going to come from this Kespa Cup tournament. Uh, we saw the rise of Samsung Blue leading up to the World Cyber Games uh, in a similar tournament many years ago. Uh, first Lucian picks. Um, there was a lot of faker killing going on in, in that tournament. Um, you're going to see a lot of the teams who you regard as not as good in the LCK, like maybe the Rocks Tigers and MVP, do a lot better than you expect, I think. And you're going to see some of these new names that I, do, I have never seen before. Also, rest in peace, CJ Antis. Um, they're, going to, they're probably going to surprise you. I would highly recommend, whether there are English casts available or not, try to grab at least some of the most exciting games. Maybe wait for the VODs and see what people say is the best. If you're a viewer who is interested in sort of dabbling, totally just wait, catch the VODs, uh, and see some exciting games in the lower end of the bracket. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those tournaments that's always fun to me. You know, you could definitely tell that some of the, the better teams in, in Korea are willing to kind of, you know, take it less seriously, which they absolutely deserve after, uh, you know, oh, yeah. Worlds and, and, and such a, a competitive split. Last year, the Rocks Tigers won it all, uh, which sounds hilarious, and it kind of <laughs> is in its own way. Um, but that's well, the don't kind forget of about Ever Eight as well. Yeah, Ever Eight in twenty fifteen. Yeah. It's always interesting to see which of these kind of lower bracket teams can rise to the occasion. Um, and I will just close by saying that as a CJ Antis fan, um, <laughs> I'm. It, it was time, you know. I, I finally yeah. like like my soul is at peace because there's nothing left for me to cling to. I spent the last year just watching them. Like, oh man, they're doing so well in Challenger. I guess I have to keep caring because they might come back. And I, I, and then you know they'd fail miserably with the promotion tournament because, of course, they did. Because why would I expect <laughs> anything else after watching CJ Antis for years and years? Um, so I'm I'm glad they could let me down one last time and, and just bow out here. Uh, it's it, it was time, um, and I, I hope uh, you know it'll be fun. Now I can finally be an LCK widow. I can I can let that time pass and heal, <laughs> and then hopefully have a new favorite team for the summer because I'd love to have a team that I was personally connected to. Uh, I also uh, <laughs> I'm I'm a huge MVP fan, man. I I I'm I am a huge MVP fan too. <laughs> I am I'm the I I actually got to talk to them at their gaming house when they first started. Oh. Like and and I okay, so 
this, I, I, this, I'm going to share this with the, pod, with the podcast. It's like Please I never told do. this to several <laughs> bosses. I was supposed to meet up with the players, the coaches, and the head coach. But when I got there, the players were like rocky. They just woke up. It was like 12 o'clock. I got in and I was like, hey, where's the coach and head coach and the manager? And they're like, and the players tell me, I think Max is the one who told me, it's like, oh, uh, they drank too much last night. So they're, <laughs> they're, uh, they're, Classic. they're, yeah, they won't be here. Like, oh, okay. So I just did my interview with the players. MVP, goddamn, they don't, they didn't do well in 2017, but they, they are fun to watch. Like, yeah. Those guys. I, I love them. Like, love them and, and, and anyone who wants to just watch like wacky Korean fun in the world where the, like Korean formula for, formula is like dominant, watch MVP. Just watch yeah. MVP and like be oh my god, this is so entertaining. I can't believe Koreans can be this crazy. Yep, and I mean they also have a history of innovating crazy picks like Scion uh, support. Scion support, which was an accident because they wanted <laughs> to play Rengar support. <laughs> <laughs> Or something. I, I don't know. They're just so they're I, I they're at their best when they're just picking wild and playing wild and su- totally surprising top teams coming out with quadra kills and pentakills and they're they're just a solid. They really are a solid roster from top to bottom and they've been in contention for like the lower end of the top teams for a, a good while now. So uh, if if you're an MVP fan or you want to be an MVP fan. Welcome, my sons and daughters. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's you make a great point. And as a Scion main, I do love that support Scion a lot. <laughs> I, I've, I, they, they have been a very fun team to watch. And I hope this has been a very fun podcast to listen to. If you guys enjoyed it, uh, you should definitely follow uh, me on Twitter, at RedShirtKing. Be sure to hit that subscribe button uh, wherever you're listening, on, on SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, on YouTube, whatever. Uh, it really does help us out and uh, obviously keep that conversation going. I do read every comment and I love talking to you guys and, and hearing uh, your thoughts because I, I think that this is a very fascinating topic Confirmed. and I definitely think this is going to be something we're going to be talking about for a while. Uh, I want to thank my two awesome guests for coming onto the show. Uh, Andrew, where can the nice people at home find you and your stuff? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter um, at Korean Mulan. Um, it's Korean underscore Mulan. Uh, I also, now that I am woefully unemployed, I also have a Medium page. Um, I'll be posting a lot of my stuff on my Medium thing, hopefully. Um, any translations, anything like that. I also tend to translate uh, fun Korean pro social social media interactions and invent reactions as well. So if you like throwaway content and free karma, come follow me on Twitter and you maybe you'll be able to fish something out of myself. Uh, other than that, um, hopefully you guys can look forward to me either writing or being part of the industry sometime soon. Oh yeah, no, it's you, you've written some very great stuff over the years. I highly recommend uh, people ch- uh, check your stuff out because I, I do think it's been uh, a great source of insight for me certainly when it comes to the LCK. Skyler, it's your favorite part of the podcast. Where can the nice people at home find you? What do you want to plug on your way out? Well, you guys can't find me anywhere, suckers. <laughs> I'm like the Untouchables from the movie, The Untouchables. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't really have any like contact or uh, or or you know e- existing websites or anything. Um, but uh, I will just throw a plug over to my friend um, who started a new podcast. Uh, called One Season Wonders. If uh, you want to hear a podcast about two goofy guys talking about canceled TV shows, TV shows that were canceled after one season specifically, go check it out. It's a lot of fun. 
Okay, there you go. I, I, I love your plugs because it's always something different and I would and never expect this it. This time it's actually something real. Yeah, that's <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, we, we will be back. Um, I have a, a big announcement for the show that I should be making uh, sometime next week. I think I teased that I was going to do it um, a couple weeks back, but uh, things have come up. Uh, but it's I, I'm very excited for the, the future of this show and I, uh, I'm looking forward to telling you guys all about it. But until then, goodbye, Internet. <laughs>